Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong. And now, socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Strat. Thank you so much, Helen. Wonderful to see you. Nice to see you, J. Keith. I understand you've got a big event that you're planning. I am. I am planning my nephew. That's what I'm calling him. He's my nephew, but I'm raising him, so he's my nephew. Uh-huh. He's turning one in May. Oh, adorable. Yes, and in Korean uh, culture, that is a very, very big deal. Your first birthday is a very big deal. And uh, we're going to dress him like a little Korean emperor. <laughs> and uh, we, my sister and I are both going to wear a traditional Korean hanbok. And we're going to put out a huge spread and... There's just fun games, and he's going to pick an item that will uh, predict his future. It's going to be a time. Now, is this something that you did when you turned one-year-old? This is something that I did when I turned one-year-old. The party is called a doll, and the highlight of the party is you put this little dressed-up child in front of certain items, and then the kid kind of toddles over and grabs an item, and the item predicts uh, what their future is. So they'll be like a stethoscope to predict that he'll be a doctor, a time tiny gavel to predict that the child will be a lawyer or a judge. Are those the only choices? You've talked about your Korean family before. I get the feeling those might be the only yes. options. No, but I do have to ask, That's what, what, what That's... did you pick when you were one year old? Was it a microphone? I did not pick a microphone. I was not given that option, much to my chagrin and probably my parents' chagrin. I picked a ball of yarn, which uh, signifies that I will have a very long life. Well, so far, so good. <laughs> the, the system works. <laughs> Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Helen, who is up first. She is an attorney, advocate, best-selling author, and host of the popular podcasts Undisclosed and Nighty Night. It's Rabia Chaudhry. Hello, Rabia. Hi, how are you? Very well. So happy to have you here. Glad to be here. There actually has been a little bit of breaking news uh, just this week in the Adnan Syed case, uh, which is how a lot of people know you from the subject of the Serial podcast and your book and the documentary and, of course, Undisclosed. Tell us what's going on and, and uh, how you think that might change things. Yeah, it's been a big break. We um, have, for the last three years, been working on a new appeal. And, and in the last year, the state of Maryland has come around and finally joined forces with us to agree to DNA test all of the evidence that they have in their possession. And it's mind-blowing that all these years after the crime, it's never been done. Wow. Unbelievable. Seven, it's been seven years since Serial. That's crazy. Wow. Undisclosed just wrapped not only had its season finale, but its series finale after uh, seven years. Why did you decide to wrap things up on Undisclosed? The kind of podcast we do is not a talk show type of format. It requires really long-form investigation, and we were going year-round. It was time for Undisclosed to go out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> yeah, you, you make it very hard for us to complain 
brain about how much research we have to do on this stupid little game show when you talk about the yeah. importance that you guys are doing on yours. It takes about uh, a year you, to, yeah. to, before we can air, a year of research on any case, yeah. Well, I had to watch over four YouTube videos this week. Oh my so, God. you know, with, with 601. <laughs> well, on a slightly less serious note, you have a different podcast that touches on a different part of your personality. It's called Nighty Night. It's an anthology of bedtime stories, but with a little bit of a twist, bedtime stories to keep you awake. Tell us about that and, and what appealed to you about that form. I love horror, mystery. Like, this is just like a personal thing. Like, you know, like growing mm -hmm. up, I always consumed that stuff. I did a narrative podcast a couple of years ago called The Hidden Gin, and people loved that it was just a single person narration. And I think my voice lends itself to this kind of creepy vibe. And so I. <laughs> That's a good thing to know about yourself. I know. I know. I mean, like, I'm happy that I have like a base like a man's now. Um, yeah, I was asked if I would do this. And it's it's been such a fun project because every story is based on like something true, like a true life event. And we always have a postscript at the end. We tell this creepy fictional story one of our writers wrote or I wrote. And at the end, we say, by the way, this was based on something real. And that really freaks people out. It's nice to, to have uh, both of those parts of your personality be, be put out there. Last thing going to ask you about. Of course, people know your best-selling book, Adnan's Story, but you have a new book that's going to be coming out that's uh, more of a memoir. Tell us about that. Yeah, this November, um, Fatty Fatty Boom Boom is the name of my memoir. It's a memoir <laughs> about food, fat, and family because Fatty Fatty Boom Boom was one of my many nicknames as a fat child. What? Oh, no. boy. Yeah, yeah. In your, like, would the kids call you or your family called you? No, I had a cousin who dubbed me Fatty Fatty Boom Boom. All the adults in my entire um, extended family had different different nicknames for my chubby little self. And so it's, the book has kind of a My Big Fat Greek Wedding vibe where it's like, mm -hmm. you know, you have this crazy family over concerned, but it's all out of love. Um, there's a lot of talk about Pakistani culture and food and I include recipes that we make at home. And so I'm excited to, yeah, for people to finally kind of meet Pakistani food. Wait, I have something that I need to ask. How okay. proud are your parents that you are an Asian lawyer? As far as my parents are concerned, I am a failed doctor. Oh, no. <laughs> Me too. Me are too, Rabia. Yes, I'm telling you, we need a society. We are all, I mean, like, I'm just, when I went to law school, they're like, what happened? We thought you were a good student. This is like <laughs> devastating. It was devastating. I'm still trying to, like, build my credibility with them. I mean, like. <laughs> How do you think my parents feel? I'm a stand-up comedian, Rabia. They're, Kore they're Korean. They're like, I, it's, they, had to, they had to switch churches. Oh my God. Well, nothing <laughs> nothing builds credibility with parents than a game show podcast. Totally. We appreciate your being here, Rabia Chowdhury. <laughs> Helen, against whom will Rabia be competing? He is a travel and food host and author who is currently on the History Channel's Adam Eats the 80s. It's Adam Richman. Hello, Adam Richman. Thank you. And thank you for dealing with the unduly complicated intro. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's nice to have so many complicated interests that lead to so much uh, opportunity. Well, it was just funny. You were talking about legitimizing yourself to your parents by way of having a game show. He yeah. said to the guy who became famous for eating a five-pound burrito. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is an Ivy-educated Jew. They're like, well, he went to Yale, but the drama. <laughs> Uh, what, you're, what you're speaking of, of course, is a lot of people remember you from that uh, wonderful show, Man vs. Food, where you would take on eating challenges. I was interested to learn that despite that being really the, the, the motivator of the show, that your audition didn't really involve doing any challenging eating. Yeah, it was uh, about a six-round process. But no, the very first audition, you had to come in. You could bring your own food. They had like a pizza there, chips, mm -hmm. whatever. They just wanted to see how you could describe flavor, how you could convey the experience of what mm. you were eating, if you could contextualize it. And 
it wasn't until the very final screen test they were like, can you eat this Reuben from Katz's Deli? And Katz's Deli sandwiches were so expensive, I couldn't afford them otherwise. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like yeah, I could eat it. I could. Yeah. Can I, for sure. May I? <laughs> yeah, please. Try and stop me. Well, I do want to talk about how uh, you have become a big personality on the History Channel, which is something people might not think of, Adam Richmond in history. Tell us about the different projects you have there. So, yeah, I, I started with them with Food That Built America three seasons ago, and it was the story of uh, the big names that you know, like Heinz and mm-hmm. Campbell and Hershey. And then I've been lucky they've invited me back for the third season. And I mean, I don't know, sometimes it's a cautionary tale. Sometimes it's <laughs> deeply inspiring. But to talk about the contrast between Mrs. Fields and famous Amos mm-hmm. and how Debbie Fields was a housewife in Palo Alto who started this business after someone laughing at her idea at a dinner party. <gasps> And was this profoundly shrewd and hardworking businesswoman. And Wally Amos was an agent at William Morris. What? Who not only discovered Simon and Garfunkel and repped them, but his first three checks he got to start the first famous Amos on Sunset were Helen Reddy, Bill Cosby, and Marvin Gaye. What? Right? So that, yeah. that, that's that stuff. So, so then I, I, Started doing Modern Marvels, which is cool because I used to watch that. My favorite Modern Marvels episodes were the engineering disasters. which There were like <laughs> over 20 of. Does that make me a bad person? Because I, I loved watching like bridges collapse and then figuring out what happened and how to make it better. It's a short cultural slide from that to fist popping on the Jersey Shore. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's the best part of doing it. Like to exalt. The yeah. the workers at places like John Deere and Davenport, Iowa. Yeah. Let's talk about Adam Eats the 80s, where you revisit classic foods that maybe were introduced then or uh, ones that maybe were flops, different brands that emerged from then. How was food different in the 80s? What have you discovered in, in the course of doing the show? One of the things I love about this stuff, when you realize like these like, first generation immigrant families, what some of them have been able to achieve. Mm. To find out that Panda Express, which started in the 80s, Panda Express, first-generation family, every one of them is still family-owned. And we got to not only meet the dude who created <laughs> Orange Chicken. What? Wow. Yes, yes. And he made 50 different versions before he got it. And they sell millions of pounds of it, like, globally. And they're the number one user of broccoli florets. <laughs> what? <laughs> It's amazing the stories you're able to tell through food. Well, we're happy that you're with us. We thank you so much for joining us, Adam Richman. Uh, Robbie and Adam, we ask each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Robbie, you said you know a lot about the West Memphis Three, the TV show Succession, and Punjabi food. Whereas, Adam, you said you know a lot about the 1998 France World Cup soccer team, the movie It's a Wonderful Life, and, here's a little bonding, traditional Jewish food. So we've got a we've got a Muslim Jewish alliance uh, brewing uh, right in right in front Sounds of our ears. Good. Later on, we're going to ask each of you some in depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our "What's the Difference?" round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today: pay your taxes. First up is Rabia. Rabia, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? I will let them tell you themselves because we have a listener recording. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for What's the Difference Round, go to GoFactYourPod.com and click on Get Involved. Okay, play the tape. 
Hello, Go Fact Yourself. This is Ed Jankowitz from Flemington, New Jersey. My question for what's the difference is, while they both are ways not to pay your taxes, what's the difference between tax evasion and tax avoidance? Thanks. All right, Rabia, you heard Ed. What is the difference between tax evasion and tax avoidance? I think tax evasion is illegal. It means you're not paying taxes that are actually due, that are an obligation for you. And I think tax avoidance is a way to manage your accounting so that you actually don't owe as many taxes and it's legal. All right. We've got Rabia's answer. We don't know yet if she is entirely correct. Adam, if you don't think she's got it just right, you can steal. What do you think? I think tax evasion implies a specific action or specific attempt Mm. to avoid being accountable. That is to say, leaving the country, Mm -hmm. um, moving your money around, uh, trying to wander in, whatever else. And tax avoidance is that I guess perhaps there's a way of confirming that we've told you, you're just not doing this. So <laughs> you know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, how am I going to answer after a lawyer? Like, so okay. yes, yes, but not a tax <laughs> lawyer. Way. I have no idea. <laughs> All right. Well, this segment has become taxing. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Tax evasion involves not paying your taxes or deliberately underpaying your taxes by hiding income or assets. This is illegal. Tax avoidance involves organizing your finances in a way to pay the smallest tax possible within the law. That's right. Some ways to legally avoid taxes include making charitable donations, putting money into an IRA, or having more kids. Some ways to illegally evade taxes include not counting your tips, not reporting your income, income from Bitcoin or being Nicolas Cage. Helen, how did our guest do? I think Rabia got both parts of that correct. I think so as well. And a very good job as a lawyer knowing what was legal and illegal (laughs) as well. (laughs) Up next in Pay Your Taxes, it's Adam. Adam, while both might put money back in your pocket, what's the difference between a tax credit and a tax rebate? A tax credit and a tax rebate. Very bad Jude, not knowing this, but I believe a tax credit <laughs> is probably um, an amount granted to be used that, that never fiscally is in your hand, but rather can be used towards your future tax returns. And I, I file my quarterly. So if I overpay one quarter, then I actually have a credit towards what I owe in the ah, next quarter. Whereas a rebate, I believe, is funds coming back to government as unlikely as that might be. All right. We've got Adam's answer. We don't know yet if he's entirely correct. Robbie, what do you think? I think a tax credit is um, it's a credit that allows you to reduce your taxable income, like children, things like that. Like you get different credits for different things. If you're eligible for certain credits, you can use those credits to reduce your taxable income. And then a tax rebate is that's just like your tax, the money you get back. Like you've you've paid your taxes, but you've paid too much. And so, you know, that's how people get their their tax return money at the uh, sometime after April. Well, this segment needs to be deducted. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. There are always exceptions, but in general, a tax credit is part of existing tax code and incentivizes consumer behavior, like buying a house or buying energy-efficient appliances for that house. Tax credits only offset the taxes you owe. So if you have a low income and don't owe any tax, you won't get any benefit from a tax credit. 
A tax rebate is given after the government passes a retroactive tax decrease, often in times of crisis, like a financial meltdown or a pandemic, and is paid to a taxpayer regardless of whether they paid any taxes to begin with. And neither of these is a tax refund, which for most people is a check they receive from the IRS after they paid more in taxes than they owed. That's right. I received a tax credit, for instance, for leasing my electric car, which was very nice. But my lease is almost up and they no longer make that car anymore. So I'm hoping for a tax rebate so I can afford a new one. Helen, how did our guest do? Hmm. Okay, I'm going to give Adam a... Uh, you know what, Adam, I will give you one full point because you kind of like were half a point in the ballpark for both. Mm-hmm. Rabia, I think I think you also get a half point because you were also were sort of like, you know what? You guys were both circling the toilet bowl, but didn't quite get. <laughs> yes. You know circling I mean? the toilet bowl of the ballpark. Uh, all right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? <laughs> at the end of that round, Rabia Chaudhary has two and a half points and Adam Richmond has one point. All right, but those scores are bound to change as we move to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. It's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Meat, meat, Helen, I love meat. (laughs) But not just any meat. I love high quality meat because it's better tasting, it's more ethical and more sustainable. And I get that high quality meat from ButcherBox. Helen, what do you think ButcherBox is? I bet you know. ButcherBox is... A subscription service that takes the guesswork out of finding high-quality meat, keeping the farmer, the planet, the animal, and your family in mind. I love a good steak. I love a good piece of chicken. I love a pork chop. I love sausages, chicken wings, and you can get all of that and more from ButcherBox. And they send it to you in this incredibly convenient box that goes right to your door. It's completely recyclable, and the meat is amazing. I've learned so much about high-quality meats and how to cook them well, and it turns out it's pretty easy thanks to ButcherBox. Tell them how to get ButcherBox and what happens when you do. Every month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of high-quality meat right to your home. Free shipping for the continental United States. Each box contains between 8 to 14 pounds of meat, depending on the box you choose. That's enough for 24 individual meals. It's packed fresh and shipped frozen for convenience, so you can save time on your next grocery store trip. So whether it's the convenience that you like, the cost, the quality, either way, you're going to love ButcherBox. ButcherBox. And, oh my gosh, this is your chance to never have to shop for ground beef ever again. What? Yeah, because ButcherBox is giving new members free ground beef for life plus a $10 coupon. Oh my gosh. Helen, how do they get this free ground beef for life? You can sign up at butcherbox.com slash gofact and get two pounds of ground beef free in every order for the life of your membership plus a $10 off coupon. Log on to butcherbox.com slash gofact to claim this deal. Thank Thank you, you, ButcherBox. Hi, I'm Biz, host of One Bad Mother. Whether you're a parent or just know kids exist in the world, join us each week as we honestly share what it's like to be a parent. I signed my stepson up for a camp that is actually in another state. I feel really stupid, and I don't think we're going to get the money back. And then he found out that the car manual is a book about cars. So now he's reading our car manual. We So join us each week as we judge less, laugh more, and remind you that you are doing a great job. Download One Bad Mother on MaximumFun.org, and yes, there will be swears. 
Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Rabia Chowdhury and Adam Richman. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much, Helen. All right, Rabia, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the West Memphis Three, the TV show Succession, and Punjabi food. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First of all, tell us why you chose the West Memphis Three as a topic that you know. Oh, the West Memphis Three was probably one of the first wrongful conviction cases that caught my eye, and I have just been obsessed with it, followed every all the media around it, read the books, watched the documentaries, and it really led me to do the advocacy I did in Adnan's case. All right, next you told us that you know a lot about the TV show Succession. I love it. I love how horrible those people are, and I feel like <laughs> they're like a rich version of my broke family. I mean, like, it's the same, <laughs> the same dysfunction. We're just fighting over different things. <laughs> And uh, which one are you then of the succession crew in your family? I'm Kendall. I'm the firstborn. I'm like, I'm the one who's got his shit the most together, but still not quite together. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, Ravia, tell us why you chose Punjabi food as a topic. I'm Punjabi. I just wrote a book about uh, this kind of food and I love it. Mm-hmm. And I cook it three times a week uh, to nourish myself and my family. And it's so good. Come on. <laughs> what, what are some of your favorite uh, recipes? Oh, pindi chole is some of my, I mean, pindi chole sag and uh, makai roti is like a corn flatbread that we eat with a sag made out of mustard greens. I mean, just real wholesome food full of butter and it's just so good. Did you learn how to cook this from your mother? Aunts, mother-in-laws, ex-mother-in-laws, all kinds of moms, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, to summarize, Robbie, you said you know a lot about the West Memphis Three, the TV show Succession, and Punjabi food. Today we're going to quiz you about the TV show Succession. I had a feeling. Tell us, do you have a favorite episode or a moment or scene from the uh, three seasons so far that we've gotten to see? I mean, honestly, the season finale for season two and season three, maybe the season finale of season three is what had me on the floor. But those two episodes are my favorite, the season finales in those two seasons. For someone who has not fallen to the Succession obsession yet... What is it about that show that people are so... Because people are obsessed with it. And I mean, what look, is it about it? The writing is brilliant. It is witty. It is funny. It is dark. Every single character has such incredible development. Every single one is uniquely horrible. And yet... <laughs> and, and honestly, and yet you love them. Like, you want, you're rooting for them in some way. Even the father. I mean, Logan is horrible. But there's points where you're like... Damn, Logan, man, you're like you, you're just a beast. Um, just the intrigue and all that kind of stuff and how this, I mean, it's, I love it. It's just, like I said, it's like a, it's like a constant warfare. Lovely. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery in the subject with our expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Adam, do listen closely because if Rabia answers incorrectly, you can steal. By the way, Adam, how much do you know about succession? I know nothing. I have never (laughs) seen it. All right. High five, Adam. High five. I envy you both. I envy you both. If it didn't happen in the trailer between Curb Your Enthusiasm and Curb Well, let's see, what, uh, let's see how good uh, the HBO promo department was in getting you up to date. All right. <laughs> Here's question number one. Ravia, on November 6, 2021, succession actor Kieran Culkin, who plays Roman Roy, hosted what long-running NBC sketch comedy show on which he had briefly appeared with his brother when he hosted in 1991? I'm pretty sure the answer is Saturday Night Live. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very good. You're on the board there. Fun fact, just two weeks prior to hosting that show, Nicholas Braun, who plays Cousin Greg, made a cameo appearance in the SNL sketch, What Up With That? 
All right, here's question number two. When you think of that family of super rich white folks, you naturally think of rap, especially since we heard Kendall Roy perform this track. Give a listen to this clip. Shaper of views, creator of news, father of many, paid all his dues. So don't try to run your mouth at the king. Just pucker up and go kiss the ring. L to the OG. Cringe. What? Yes, cringe indeed. Very memeable moment. For some reason, that little clip makes me want to watch Suggestion more than anything else what? I've ever heard for some it's reason. It's a fantastic scene. Ravi, here's your question. To what character on the show was Kendall attempting to pay tribute with that rap? Oh, his father, Logan Roy. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Uh, fun fact, that track was written by the show's theme composer, who won an Emmy for the theme, but somehow not for that rap. All right, Ravio, you're two for two. Here's question number three. Speaking of Emmys, at the 72nd Emmy Awards telecast, Succession won four awards. But which one did it not win? Was it Outstanding Drama Series, Lead Actor, Lead Actress, Directing, or Writing? Lead Actress? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Very good. Yes. I don't think uh, Succession submitted any in that category. They did have some supporting actresses, of course. Fun fact, Succession received three nominations for supporting actor, perhaps splitting that vote. All of them lost to Billy Crudup of The Morning Show. At the Creative Arts Ceremony, Succession also won for guest actress, casting, and editing. All right, Rabia, you are three for three. Here is question number four. As if Emmys weren't enough, Succession has been graced by some guest actors who have won Oscars, most notably a woman who appeared on six episodes in season two and a man who appeared on two episodes in season three. Coincidentally, they won their Oscars for movies whose titles are very similar. Who are they? Oh, no, 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 not Helen Hunt. Oh, no, no, no. I She's, oh, I know, I know, I know her name. What's wrong with you me? You do have a hint available if you'd like to use that hint? Yes, give me a hint. Helen, how about that first hint? She won for the piano. He won for the pianist. I literally, I, I can draw them for you, but I cannot remember. I'm have, I actually, I, this is actually true. Okay. I actually have, <laughs> I suffer from name blindness. Yeah. It is such a problem for me when I have 8,000 oh. witnesses in a case. I... Which sucks because I know the answer. All right, it's fine. I'll no. give it up. I'll give it up. I'll give it up. I, I know. I know you know, but I'm sorry. This, it is a quiz show after all. And we, yeah, do yeah, need, yeah. we do need the answer. Yeah. I'm sorry. That means Adam, you have a chance to steal. She won for the piano. He won for the pianist. He is Adrian Correct. Brody. Adrian Brody mm-hmm. won best actor for the pianist mm-hmm. and kissed Halle Berry. And I'm gonna say Holly Hunter. Helen. That is correct. Wow. That is correct. Very nice job, Adam. You've never never seen a single episode of Succession, and yet. (laughs) (laughs) Behold the power of the hint. (laughs) 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 All right, let's move on to question number five. You do still have another hint available. Rabia, the family has many degrading nicknames for one another, including Dr. Moron, Greg the Egg, and many that we can't say without getting bleeped. But what is the possibly sweet pet name that Logan repeatedly calls his daughter Shiv? Oh, I don't even recall it. Look at that. My name blindness goes into, extends into what? nicknames. Yeah. Into nickname blindness, yeah. You do have another hint available if you'd like to use yeah, that yeah, hint. Yeah, yeah, Go ahead and give me the hint. Helen, how about that second hint? It's what a lot of people call one of their fingers... And the partner of the brain on an animated series. Pinky. 
Helen? That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. It is, Pinky. Very nice job. Right. Fun fact, some fans theorize that the name comes from Shiv being Logan's fourth child, and the Pinky is the fourth finger, I guess, if you don't count the thumb. All right, uh, Robbie, you did quite well in that quiz, but now it is time for your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Rabia, one of the most iconic scenes from the series occurs in season two's episode, Hunting, when Rogan Loy subjects cousin Greg, future son-in-law Tom, and another man to a humiliating game next to the dinner table. For up to three points, what was the rhyming name of this game? Who was the other man who had to play it? And what is this man's job title at the family company, Waystar Royco? I know what they did in the game. I didn't know there's a rhyming name. Um... What did they have to do in the game? They had to sit on this guy. I mean, like you had to be a stool, a human footstool, human stool. It's like human stool. They had to be like a human stool. That's. I mean, that doesn't rhyme though. It, it took place next to the dinner table. No, <laughs> and also the guy, the the character who the third person had to do it is one of the executives, and I can't remember what his title is though. I also don't remember his character. I am. I failed the cluster <laughs> fact. I failed it. I'm sorry. That's right. I don't That's know. Right. Any- well, just just choose. Do you want to just choose any any person's name and any person's job title? Maybe you'll uh, maybe you'll get lucky with it. His name is Dave, and he's a okay, <laughs> and he's a VP of something. He's a vice president of something, and he's a vice president. Okay, all right. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an award-winning actor with a long career on Broadway, film, and TV, including playing Carl on Succession. It's David Rashi. Hello, David Rashi. Oh, my God. Hi. Yes, the forgettable. No, but that's okay. <laughs> so no, that's okay. No, no, you had too much adrenaline. Name I, I know blindness. What it is. Name blind, I'm telling you. You went up. It's okay. Well, nice <laughs> to meet you. All of this is just an excuse to talk to wonderful people, and uh, it's working because we have you joining us. Thank you for being here, David Rossi. Not at all. Pleasure, pleasure joining you. Uh, in addition to Succession, which we'll talk about in a moment, uh, what an amazing career you've had. You worked at Second City in Chicago. You've done f- uh, tons of theater, working with people like David yes. Mamet on several shows. Yes. did wonderful movies like United 93, Burn After right. Reading, In the Loop. On TV, yes. you've been recurring or regulars on uh, Veep, on Nurses, and of oh course my on my favorite, Sledgehammer. I'm yes. out of breath. Uh, for our younger breath. listeners. Adam, no, Adam, don't talk to me. No, he's never seen Succession. Adam, I, I have nothing. No, I, I, no, no, I have cancelled. I canceled my history channel. No. Oh, no. Do you have a favorite quote, Adam, from Sledgehammer? Yes, really quickly. You Please. were going into the Capitol Records building, and you were hunting down this killer that was posing as part of a band, and you guys came in, and you go... Hey, we're the police. And they go, sorry, there's already a band called the police. <laughs> and just remember, I was such a big gun. Are you absolutely no way? Captain Trump, Dory DeRoe, don't even start with me. And to Miss Chaudhry, I don't, what are you doing watching Succession? You're, you're, you're dealing with the West Memphis Three. And I mean, do something important. <laughs> this is just, you're wasting your life. I don't get I it. I just want to be in there. I want to be in the mix. I want to be like, can I be an executive assistant to Logan Roy? Just so I can like, <laughs> you know, I just see, see, the, see the, the sickness up close and personal. I love every character. You guys are amazing. Great. Well, we'll talk about Succession in a moment. But what I was struck by was, uh, despite all of those wonderful credits that I mentioned, and of course, despite your wonderful work on Succession, 
succession. You told me before we recorded that the highlight of your career actually just happened rather recently. That's true. I was lucky enough to uh, do a movie with Robert De Niro, and that was the absolute highlight of my entire... uh, I'd never seen anything like it before. I've never worked with everybody. He's unbelievable. He is the best actor I've ever seen. That's all. Congratulations. That movie is called About My Father. People can look forward to seeing that soon. Well, you've mentioned that you've worked with everybody. There's so many wonderful veteran actors on Succession. Are there people that you had worked with before doing scenes or doing plays? Yes, I have. I worked with Jay Smith Cameron, who plays Jerry. But the, the reason I'm on it is because I did, did a movie with Armando uh, Iannucci called okay. In the Loop. Right. It was a very funny movie. And one of the writers was Jesse Armstrong. And then he worked again on Veep. I met him there. And then that's why I'm on it, because I worked with those guys. Oh, very cool. Uh, you started as a recurring character. You got moved up to a series regular on season three. Was that a surprise yes, to you? Did you know through. that your character was going to be one? Oh, that's great. Well, tell, tell us uh, how you found that out and, and what that meant to you to, to be a series regular. I was, it was out of the blue. It was, I was thrilled. It's just, uh, I mean, it's, it's a wonderful show. It's, uh, it, as uh, she said, the writing is, uh, uh, is extraordinary. It's uh, dense and truthful and uh, exciting, and uh, I'm very grateful to be involved. I mentioned that uh, you had experience at Second City uh, in yes. Chicago. Uh, tell us some of the peers that you worked with, because you had some uh, amazing talent besides yourself uh, on the Second City I stage. Did. When I got there, it was Joe Flaherty from uh, uh, Second, uh, Second City Television and mm-hmm. uh, Harold Ramis. Mm-hmm. They left, and then John Candy came. And then Betty Thomas came, and then Bill Murray came. Yeah, I, I, I recently saw a, 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 I guess, a promotional photo of you with John Candy, Bill Murray, and Betty Thomas. I mean, what, what an amazing cast. Yeah, it was a terrific, terrific time. It was, but, but nobody knew it. This right. was before Saturday Night Live, just before. I came to New York, and they, and they said, well, what have you done? And I said, well, I worked at uh, Second City. And they said, which is a what? <laughs> so, oh, wow. wow. <laughs> no, nobody knew. And if we had a good show, people showed up. If there wasn't any good, nobody showed up. Now you can't get a ticket. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what the show is. It's uh, jammed all the time. So a lot has changed. Well, well, what, it's such amazing range to have those kinds of comedy chops and then to appear in such a no-nonsense drama as uh, Succession and all the other work you've done on stage. It, it's so impressive. Well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Rabia. First, we wanted to know what was the rhyming name of the game that was played by three people in the season? Season two episode, Hunting. Helen, what did Rabia say? Rabia had no answer for that one. No, I'm terribly sorry. What is the answer to that game? Boar on the floor. Boar on the floor, yes. Remember that with the sausages? Whatever. Yeah, for those who don't know, uh, it involved a humiliating game where three people had to crawl around on the floor and try to be the first to eat a sausage or get a sausage. It was uh, mm-hmm. it was a very iconic scene. What, what was that like for you to shoot? Because I could see that either being ex- very fun or very exhausting and painful. Uh, humiliating, mm. but which, which was the point of it, was that we were all groveling on the floor together uh, trying to uh, get this sausage. Only because, and he made us oink. I don't know if you remember that. But yes. Logan, uh, Logan Roy made us oink. So uh, my son called and said, Dad, that was hard to watch. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. I'm sorry. No point there for Rabia. The next question was, who was the other man besides Cousin Greg and future son-in-law Tom to play that game? Helen, what did Rabia say? Rabia said Dave. And uh, Mr. Rashi? <laughs> Sort of. Sort of. Sort of, yeah. Carl. <laughs> Carl is the character's name, but uh, the actor is Dave. Do you want to give her a half point for that, David Rashi? Yes, I think oh, so. Oh, thank you. 
Definitely. By the way, I think I remember Carl's title now. Now that like, oh, I don't know if I'm allowed if it's too late, but my, my brain cells have been churning since we... Okay. Well, our next question was, uh, what was the title of that man uh, at the family company, Waystar Royco? Helen, what did Rabia say? Rabia said vice president. And Rabia, what do you actually think it is now? I'm pretty sure he was a CFO. And David? Yeah. Wow. That's very impressive. Yes. But <laughs> yeah, that's CFO. astonishing. <laughs> yes, you would CFO. know that. Yes. I give her 10 points for that. That's a- oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know if we can give 10 points, but uh, I think we can give her a half a point for coming up with it uh, retroactively. So uh, very nice. Rabia, while we have our expert here, is there anything you'd like to ask or say to David Rashi? Oh, my God. Just that I am just floored to even be speaking to you. I'm such a huge fan. Thank you for me. Ma- I mean, your all your incredible work. A succession is just, I need like it never to end. <laughs> I'm rooting for Tom. I got to say I'm rooting for Tom. We'll, we'll see. Everybody gets sliced in the end. <laughs> oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Shiv had it coming. As long as that CFO <laughs> sticks around, I think we'll all be happy. Right, right, uh, right. David, if people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they do that? Well, I'll actually, I'm having dinner at a, a, a restaurant just down the street called Coda. And if anybody would like to come by and, and watch tonight. <laughs> wow. What an invitation for all of our listeners. And then, and then and then walking back, I'll be walking up Maple Street and then up uh, Baker. So if you want to watch or join me be a little bit later. <laughs> what an opportunity weeks later for our listeners to know where you had dinner and where you were walking. Uh, Adam, you wanted to say something. So uh, I lost my pop and I was pretty young. There's a picture of him right here. He and I used to watch like Dirty Harry and the Hunter movies. And Sledgehammer was the the most wonderful sort of take on it. And I really do remember it so fondly because it was a deep connection with my dad. We used Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing uh, several times <laughs> as right. guys who really <laughs> tried to build stuff. That was, for those of you who don't know, was one of Sledgehammer's catchphrase. Yeah. Oh, I just wanted to say thank you for so many awesome memories I got to share with my dad. That's all. You're not alone. A lot of people come up and tell me that, that it was a, a show that they uh, bonded with their parents. What a role to be able to play for people and, and to be a part of people's lives. It was, wow. That's incredible. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was a thrill to host you. Ladies and gentlemen, David Rashi. Thank you. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that exciting round? At the end of that round, Rabia Chaudhary has seven and a half points and Adam Richmond has two points with a round of questions for Adam coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Adam about a topic he knows about. Plus, later, Rabia and Adam will go head to head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Hey, you can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. I really get why it is America's number one meal kit because they sent me one and I could not believe, A, how easy it is to make these HelloFresh meals. I had used another meal delivery service before and it was so complicated. Too many ingredients, too much chopping, too much complicated things, and the meal just didn't turn out well. But with HelloFresh, the meals are amazing. And the coolest thing is I actually learned how to do techniques for cooking that I've since used in my other recipes. They <laughs> deliver these pre-portioned ingredients right to your door, including farm-fresh produce. It arrives within a week, so you get convenience without skimping on quality. There's over 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, including veggie, fit and wholesome, family-friendly, and gourmet options that provide plenty of variety. Oh, Helen, I, I, I got lost in reverie thinking about how much I love HelloFresh. <laughs> 
Helen, HelloFresh is so great. And they're going to give our listeners free gifts? What? What is that about? Go to HelloFresh.com slash GoFact16 and use code GoFact16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash GoFact16 and use code GoFact16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Wow. Thank Thank you. Hello Hello Fresh. Fresh. Hey there, beautiful people. I'm Travel Anderson. And I'm Jared Hill. We are the hosts of Fanti, the show where we have complex and complicado conversations about the gray areas in our lives, the things that we really, really love sometimes, but also have some problematic feelings about. Yes, we get into it all. You want to know our thoughts about Nicki Minaj and all her foolishness? We got you. You want to know our thoughts about gentrification and perhaps some positive question mark Uh aspects of gentrification? We get into that too. Every single Thursday, you can check us out at MaximumFun.org. Listen, you know you want it, honey, so come on and get it. (laughs) Period. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Rabia Chaudhry and Adam Richman. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much, Helen. All right, Adam, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the 1998 France World Cup soccer team, the movie It's a Wonderful Life, and traditional Jewish food. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what the 1998 France World Cup soccer team means to you. 98 was the year I lost my dad, so Freud even says it's the most formative year in your life. And I moved in with a kid I knew from college who was really into international soccer. I didn't realize it was the World Cup. And he had a PlayStation. And we could sort of play the matches that we had seen that day and learn more about the players. And that year, France 98 was just in scintillating form. And in particular, this guy over my shoulder, who I have on my office wall, his name is Zinedine Zidane. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just that he was a silky, breathtakingly incredible player. (laughs) He's also the son of Algerian immigrants. And here they are projecting the son of Algerian immigrants on the Arc de Triomphe. Now I know why you have all the jobs that you have, because you're the way that you describe things like I want I'm going to use scintillating form and (laughs) and silky and breathtaking in my bios. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Adam, you also said you know a lot about the movie. It's a wonderful life. Uh, Just simply put, it's my favorite movie. I remember seeing it as a kid. I always loved Jimmy Stewart. Then I saw that movie and I just get something new out of it every time I watch it. And it gets me in the feels right away. All right. And then finally, you said you know a lot about traditional Jewish food. Yes, I'm a Jew and I eat. (laughs) All right. Well, to summarize. (laughs) Do you have a a favorite traditional Jewish food? You know what? I I think that uh, a good latke... Mm-hmm. Whether mom made or otherwise, locked is you're allowed to go against the family when it comes to places like Russell <laughs> Daughters and stuff like yeah. this, like gefilte fish. I mean, there's certain things that I think you have to be born into. And really, if you want to understand the suffering of the Jews, try gefilte fish. It'll, it'll <laughs> no, gefilte fish is great, but I will say pacha, yeah. Yeah. The is definitely some bleak days. So yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not quite a pogrom, but it's yeah. not far. <laughs> but it's not far. Oh, no. All right. So to summarize, Adam, you said you know a lot about the 1998 France World Cup soccer team, the movie It's a Wonderful Life, and traditional Jewish food. Today, we're going to quiz you about It's a Wonderful Life. You seem very happy about that. How many times do you think you've seen it over the years? So I would say at, at least twice a year for the past 
30 or so, 40 oh, years. Okay, that sure. really adds like, up. Yeah, I guess. But like, I also like have introduced it to people and mm-hmm. then I'll read an article and go, oh, I didn't know that. And then you want to go back and see that scene with first eyes. Very cool. Do you have a favorite scene? Yeah, the telephone kissing. Mm, that is very Aww. sweet. All right, can I, can well, I just, just say ahead. something? Please, please. I'm, I'm 47. You know how many times I've seen it? How many? Never. Never oh, Robbia! That's it your is, succession. I know. That's yeah, exactly. Robbia, that, you have to actively try to avoid it at Christmas time. <laughs> well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic. But before that, to give you a chance what? to show off at. Yeah, no, that's how the show works. Remember? Yeah, I know. And you got Linda Evans when someone was the thing on Dynasty. So my yeah. mind is exploding. <laughs> oh, good, wondering good. who you've got for this. Well, before that, though, we are going to give you a quiz of five trivia questions on the topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're a total of two hints among these five <laughs> questions. And as we just found out, Robbie, you will be listening closely if Adam gets any of them wrong, but we know that you have as much knowledge about It's a Wonderful Life as Adam does about succession. And yet he was able to steal. So we'll see if you get that opportunity here. <laughs> Here's question number one, Adam. It's a Wonderful Life was nominated for five Oscars and won zero. All the nominations were for behind-the-scenes work except for one. Who was nominated in the category of Best Actor? Best Actor would have to go to Jimmy Stewart. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Fun fact, It's a Wonderful Life lost all of its Oscars to the best years of our lives except for sound recording, which it lost to The Jolson Story. All right, here's question number two. In the movie, there are two rival housing developments in Bedford Falls. One is the bucolic Bailey Park. The other is a dismal place named after what villainous character played by Lionel Barrymore? Yes, that would be Mr. Potter, Henry Potter, who the the wheelchair-bound curmudgeon villain. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. That is correct. Yes. Fun fact, Oscar winner Lionel Barrymore was the great uncle of MTV Movie Award winner Drew Barrymore, who was the topic for guest Jill Michelle Melion on episode 47 of Go Fact Yourself. I'm super impressed that you even knew Mr. Potter's first name, Adam. It took me a second. I was just going to go with Potter. (laughs) And then at second pass, I was like, I know that. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. All right. Here's question number three. The characters of the cop and the taxi driver appear periodically throughout the movie. What names do these two characters share with a pair of Muppets? Bert and Ernie. Helen? That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. Fun fact, despite rumors to the contrary, Bert and Ernie from Sesame Street were not named after the characters from It's a Wonderful Life. Instead, Jim Henson just thought that the prototypes of those puppets looked like they'd be named Bert and Ernie, and he was right. Let's go to question number four. You still have two hints available. You are currently three for three. George Bailey and Uncle Billy have a discussion about what the three most exciting sounds in the world are. Their lists don't have any sounds in common, but which of the following does not appear on either list? Is it plane engines, ship horns, train whistles, breakfast is served, or lunch is served? I know this is train whistles. I'm fairly certain he says ship warns. I don't think he says plain engines. Because I remember Uncle Billy's response is breakfast is served, lunch is served, dinner is served. So mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go with plain engines. Helen? That is not correct, Adam. No, I'm terribly sorry. Rabia has a chance to steal Rabia. Yeah, I was going to say lunch is served because... Oh, is that exciting to anybody? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Breakfast, <laughs> breakfast, yes. But I don't know. That's my guess. 
Helen? That is also not correct. Oh, no. no, I'm terribly sorry. It actually was ship horns. Ship horns were not mentioned in that discussion. Everything else was. Fun fact, one of the reasons some people don't like this movie is that George never gets to experience the exciting travel he always sought. I don't quite understand that. All right, here's question number five. Let's see if you can bounce back with this, Adam. You do still have your hint available. When Clarence returns George to his regular life, George giddily runs through the streets of Bedford Falls crying Merry Christmas to everyone and everything including the Emporium, the Building and Loan, and the Bijou Movie House. What other Christmas movie is listed on the marquee at the Bijou? No, it was a homage to... What's this guy who played Clarence and the guy who played Uncle Billy... But it's the Bells of St. Mary's. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct. A very nice pull and a bounce back. Adam raising his arms triumphantly. Wow. (laughs) Fun fact, the Bells of St. Mary's is also seen on the marquee of Radio City Music Hall in the movie The Godfather. And It's a Wonderful Life is seen on the marquee in the movie The Exorcist 3. Adam, you did not need the hint in that question, but I know Helen was eager to give that hint. Helen, what would that hint have been? It might be called the chimes of Jesus's mom. (laughs) The bells of St. Mary. Thank you. Robbie, Robbie, you're correct to face plants at that end. (laughs) (laughs) I could hear Robbie's groan through her her muted Zoom. I could hear it. (laughs) And and I know why you were so excited to give that hint. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Adam, you did quite well in that quiz, but now it is time for your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. Here we go. Adam, George Bailey had four children, including a younger daughter who says the famous line, every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. For up to three points, who told the child this? What was this child's name? And who played this child? So teacher says Mm -hmm. every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. All right. Zuzu, Zuzu, my little ginger snap. How are you? Not a smidge of temperature. Oh, and who played Zuzu? Oh, my God. It's funny because she still does stuff where she, uh, you know, she talks about the, the show. And I've always wanted to uh, t- to meet her because she's one of the last you know links to the show. Oh, my gosh. In my luck, she's going to be the expert. And I don't recall her name. I am so sorry if it is. I don't. I no, don't. No, no answer. Little, little name blindness uh, being contagious today on the show. All right. Helen is taking note of your answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an actor and author whose many credits include playing Jimmy Stewart's younger daughter in It's a Wonderful Life. It's Carolyn Grimes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hello, Carolyn Grimes. Hello. Oh, my gosh. You're pretty good. Wow. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I'm so sorry I couldn't come up with your name. I am so sorry. No problem. (laughs) Excellent. It's so wonderful uh, to have you join us. Carolyn, as Adam mentioned, you've become very involved in continuing to spread the word about It's a Wonderful Life, which is a movie that you did at age six. And at that time, you were already a veteran of movies. You left Hollywood as a teenager, and you'd already worked with John Wayne, Cary Grant, Bing Crosby, Lorraine. Loretta Young, Fred McMurray, Betty Grable, Danny Kaye, and of course, Donna Reed and Jimmy Stewart. Uh, I mean, what an incredible uh, career that you had as a a young woman. Um, How much do you remember about actually shooting the film It's a Wonderful Life? Because I don't remember that much from when I was six. But then again, I wasn't working with Jimmy Stewart. 
<laughs> well, when you're six years old, you know, back in the day, you opened the door every morning and went to school. For me, it was different. Every time I walked out that door, I never knew what I'd get into. And that's why I do remember my history in, in all these films that I worked in. The snow in It's a Wonderful Life, for instance. It didn't snow in California. I mean, in Hollywood, it never did. And so I had never seen snow before. This wasn't real snow, but, oh, it was fabulous. I just thought it was the most exciting thing. <laughs> wow. It's amazing you can still get caught up in the Hollywood magic, uh, even as a working actor there. Tell us what you remember about working with uh, with Frank Capra. How, how was he working with uh, child actors? He was wonderful. You know, he was a perfectionist. He would get down on his mm. knees so that he could tell you what he wanted you to do at eye level. And that was just so warm and comfortable and he could evoke a lot of feelings that maybe if he'd been looking down at me he wouldn't have got i have to ask you about about a couple moments in that famous uh final scene there's a shot of everyone singing old lang syne and uh you seem to not be kind of in sync with it is it, is it true that they actually didn't teach you the song oh heavens no they didn't i, I and i don't know why i felt like i could sing it and and i was doing it loudly too yeah ah, that's so cute. extremely awkward you were just making up words it was the dumbest thing ever. And you know what? Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> we were six. I don't think he knew the words either because if you'll notice, he kind of stops singing and just laughs at me. Wow. <laughs> I understand that you've stayed in touch with the other actors who, who, were, uh, who played your siblings over the years. Tell us about the kind of relationships that you guys have. Well, about 1993, the Target store decided to get the Bailey kids together as a reunion and send us on tour at Christmas time. So we all got together and we went all over the country. And that was the first time I had met them after so many years. So it was it was mm. really exciting. We had a wonderful time and we have been close friends ever since then. We're actually like siblings, real siblings. Oh wow. Yeah, we fight for each other, and we we talk almost every week. I did not have brothers and sisters, so it's pretty exciting for me to have this It's a Wonderful Life Bailey family. <laughs> That's so wonderful. Um, what's so amazing to people when they find out is that the movie, when it first came out, was actually a flop. It didn't do well, and uh, it, it was such a, a financial disappointment, it eventually lost its copyright, and that's kind of how it became known, maybe starting in the 70s as it started to air on TV, because channels could run it for free. How did you find out that uh, America had kind of rediscovered this movie? <laughs> actually, um, in 1980, I was 40 years old, and it's the first time I'd ever seen the movie. What? <laughs> I, I had a guy come to my front door and I was out in the middle of Kansas and he knocked on my door and he said, I'm a reporter. Did you play the part of Zuzu in the movie? It's a Wonderful Life. And I said, well, yes, I did. And he said, well, can I have an interview? So I thought, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> it kept happening. I kept getting interview requests and then... I started getting fan mail. <gasps> what in the world is this all about? I said, I really think I should see the movie. So <laughs> oh my God. I finally sat down and watched the entire movie. And I had that experience. And, of course, I cried and went through all the emotions. Aww. And it was so exciting. And I knew then that 
that was going to be a big part of my life because it has so much to offer to so many people. And it's saved mm-hmm. lives. It really has. You know, as an actor myself, when I watch myself in roles, I'm often like, oh, I could have done that better. Did you think that of your six-year-old self at Oh, 40? heavens, yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> For one thing, keep my mouth shut during the last song. Just smile. <laughs> Tell us about how you ended up reconnecting with Jimmy Stewart. Well, actually, he had his... He had two secretaries, and he had one of them search for me because he'd been getting requests and people asking, whatever happened to that little girl who was in the movie? And so he had her contact me. She went through a lot of channels, but she found me in Kansas, and um, then I connected with him, and I started uh, meeting with him, and it it was just a wonderful life. It is a wonderful life. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that's so wonderful, you've really embraced the legacy of It's a Wonderful Life. You put up multiple books about it. Your latest was just re-released. It's uh, Zuzu Bailey's It's a Wonderful Life cookbook, which was re-released last year on the 75th anniversary of the movie. Uh, It's got recipes from cast members, interviews, and photos. What's your favorite recipe from the It's a Wonderful Life universe? Probably... uh, Potter's Krabby Crab Cakes. <laughs> <laughs> so he wasn't so bad after all. He made good crab cakes, huh? <laughs> No, he was a nice man. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, well, Frank Capra put a skull cap on him to raise his forehead mm. so he would look more intimidating. So And he really was in a wheelchair. He had crippling arthritis. Oh. He was scary in the movie, but I didn't have any scenes with him. So, <laughs> Part of the legacy that you've uh, helped embrace and that you're helping to spread is the way that you are involved in what's called a, the It's a Wonderful Life Festival. And there's also an It's a Wonderful Life Museum in Seneca Falls, New York. Tell us about uh, each of those projects and uh, what kind of stuff people can expect if they attend. Well, we started the festival... 20 years ago this year, we're going to celebrate the anniversary. And I came to Seneca Falls, New York, because they felt like they were the town that Frank Capra, the Bailey house, uh, the Bailey Mm -hmm. town after Bedford Falls. And I just, I walked in there and I felt like it really was the town. It was snowing. It was quiet. They have the bridge. They have the depot. They have street names. There's so many similarities to that town. And I met an old barber that actually remembered cutting Capra's hair. Isn't that the trip where he asked about the bridge? Oh, yes. Yes. And there was, there's a plaque on the bridge because in 1919, an Italian immigrant jumped off that bridge to save a well, I don't know, a wasp woman from the other side of the canal because they weren't connected back in that day. And so he jumped in and he didn't know how to swim. <gasps> he saved her life what? and lost mm. his own. Oh. And because oh. of that, the entire community embraced him so much that they ended up coming together. And the, the bridge over that canal didn't separate the two um, nationalities anymore. A man d- jumping off a bridge to save another person's life sounds familiar. Yes, and Frank <laughs> Capra's like looking at that that memorial plaque that's on the bridge. <laughs> wow. I can't believe I'm talking there. This is blowing my mind. When you were talking, I was crying a little bit. Oh, I'm not going to lie. That's very sweet. Fully cop to it. Fully cop to it. 
Like it's the reason that we brought you here, Carolyn, as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Adam. First, we wanted to know, in regards to that famous line from the movie, Every Time a Bell Rings, an Angel Gets His Wings, who told the child that line? Helen, what did Adam say? Adam said the teacher. And Ms. Grimes? That's correct. That is correct for the point. Teacher says, as you said, Adam. Very good. All right, next we want to know, what was this child's name? And Helen, what did Adam say? Adam said Zuzu. And Carolyn? That's correct. That's correct as well. Finally, want to know who played that child. Helen, what did Adam say? Adam had no answer for that one. Which I apologize for. That's all right. Tell him who it was, Miss Grimes. It was Carolyn Grimes. That's right. It was you. And what a pleasure that you did and that you joined us. Adam, before we let Miss Grimes go, is there anything that you'd like to ask or say to her? I'm just curious. Is that a lot of takes, the scene with the two of you on the bed? When he comes in and you wanted to watch your flower? Yes, mm. yes. Every other scene, like I said, he was a perfectionist. He, sh- he, sh- he shot an enormous amount of footage, and, it, and it's all gone. You know, it's all destroyed. Mm-hmm. That was taken over and over. With the kiss scene, he, um, you know, they were a little shy to do that. Jimmy Stewart was just back from the war. Mary was fresh in Hollywood, and they put off doing that scene for a long time. And finally, Capra said, "Yeah, you got to do this. We got to do it." So they agreed to do it only if they could just shoot it and and see what happened. They just went right through it and tore your heart out and got so steamy hot, it was just grand. And so Capra not only left it in. But um, he just told the script girl, print it. And there was no retake at all. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) Well, I love hearing these stories. We're so happy and honored that you joined us. If people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they go, Ms. Grimes? Uh, Zuzu.net. Oh, wow. Zuzu.net, the perfect website. (laughs) Love it. And a perfectly wonderful appearance. So happy to have you join us. Carolyn Grimes, everybody. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you, Adam, at the festival. I'll be there. I will be there. Thank you for all the memories you've given me. All right, Helen, what is our score as we head into the final round? Ooh, it is a tight game, Jay Keith. At the end of that round, Rabia Chaudhary has seven and a half points, and Adam Richmond has eight points. Oh, no. All right. Very close indeed. Oh, man. Now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements, and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Rabia and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Rabia, Harley Davidson is a company founded more than 30 years ago. True. Correct. Yes, actually over 100 years. Adam, Harley Davidson is a company that sells motorcycles. True. Correct. Yep, they do. Rabia, Harley Davidson once sold its own perfume and cologne. True. Correct. Yeah, they made a number of them. Adam, one fragrance that Harley Davidson made was called Hot Road. False. Incorrect. No, because who doesn't want to smell like a hot road? (laughs) Rabia, another one was called Cool Road. True. Incorrect. No, who wants to smell like a cool road? Adam, (laughs) one was called Hot Spirit. False. Correct. Rabia, one was called Cool Spirit. True. Correct. Adam, one was called Territory. False. Incorrect. (laughs) Rabia, one was called Rebel. True. Incorrect. That's a great wow. name. That would have made sense. It is a great name. No, nope, they didn't go with it. Nope. Uh, Adam, one was called Black Fire. True. Correct. Rabia, one was called Red Bandana. True. Incorrect. 
One is called Chafed Five. <laughs> Adam, one was called 55-year-old white guy. <laughs> Correct. And finally, Rabia, they all could have been called Ode to Midlife Crisis. True. <laughs> Correct. All right. Oh, we're not going to count those last few. Let's uh, thank Adam Richmond and Rabia Chowdhury as Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to announce the winner on today's episode? I am. Oh, my goodness, Jay Keith. It is the tightest game, but we do have a winner. At the end of the game, Rabia Chowdhury has 10 and a half points, and Adam Richmond has 11 points. Oh, congratulations. Oh my Adam God. Richmond, you are the facting champion on today's episode of Go Fact Yourself. Adam, what will you do with your championship? Oh, I'm just a happy mother factor right now. <laughs> this is so facting awesome. We're no, using the truth that. of the fact is, uh, I love the show. And um, since I was introduced to Robbie by way of the special first and then the podcast, just to spend a couple hours with you guys, you know, these are days, these, are, these can be kind of dark days. And thank you for providing this just tremendous, awesome oasis. Chance to talk to Zuzu and. Amazing. Amazing. This is just the bomb. I never thought I would have Adam Richmond fangirling over Go Fact Yourself on my bingo card. <laughs> that was not on my bingo card. <laughs> I'll be thinking about half a point, that half a facting point all day now. Oh, oh no, yeah. no, no. You both did very, very well. It, it really could have gone either way, and you both were <laughs> such wonderful sports. We appreciate your being here. It's amazing. Yes. We're going to give everyone here a chance to promote anything they might like. Rabia Chowdhury, where can people find you and your work? My website is my name, RabiaJadri.com. I'm all over socials. My Twitter is Rabia Squared. That's spelled out. And um, I have a book coming out in the fall called Fatty Fatty Boom Boom. And you can continue to follow me um, if you're obsessed with cereal and Adnan's case because I make every announcement on all the social media platforms. Well, excellent. It was a wonderful joy to have you. Thank you so much for being here. Rabia Chowdhury, thank you so much. Uh, Adam Richmond, what are you up to and where can people find you? Um, you can find me Sunday nights on the History Channel, 9, 8 Central is Food That Built America Season 3. And then new episodes on Sunday nights at 10, 9 Central. It's Adam Eats the 80s. I'm at, at Adam Richmond on pretty much all the majors. And yeah, I... I Miss, uh, I, I just have I've missed you in TV, and I hope I get a chance to entertain you guys with uh, some new stuff from the 80s, I guess. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you've certainly entertained us today. We thank you so much for joining us, Adam Richmond. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is Helen. She is Hong. She is Helen Hong. Where can people find you, my friend? I am going back on the road to do stand-up after kind of two years of not really doing a lot of stand-up. So if you are a fan of comedy and a fan of Go Fact Yourself, come see me live at the San Francisco Punchline, April 28th through 30th. And I will be in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, multiple shows, multiple venues, May 4th through the 7th in Grand Rapids. She is funny. She is Helen. She is Helen Hong. And me. Oh, I mentioned on our last show how I am co-producing a movie that is starring and written by my fiance Sarah Rodenbaugh called Hangman and how people could uh, contribute to it. And I'm so happy to say that some of you did contribute and she has been fully funded. So thank you so much for doing that. You can track the progress of the movie as we make it at hangmanfilm.com. And, of course, I'm on Twitter at J underscore Keith and on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Rabia Chowdhury, Adam Richmond, David Rashi, and Carolyn Grimes. And thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. 
Like what you hear? Come see us live. We're aiming for this summer. It'll be free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. Meanwhile, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod, update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com, and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. And give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform, like Pern Buzen did on Apple Podcasts. He, she, or they said, love the show. Listen over and over. Keep it up because laughter, quick wit, and smarty pants make life great. Thanks, Purbzen. I'm wearing smarty pants right now. Helen? <laughs> Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Today's show engineer is Dave McKeever. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by by Adam Needif. Quiz assistance provided by Don Chesbro and Bob Skier, with assistance from Tori Davis, Joe Weyinger, and Amy Jo Simon. Promotional graphics by Erich Tran. Added support from Dave Bianchi and Christine Vallada. Special thanks to Willie Norkin of the Brooks Group, Brian Liebman of Liebman Entertainment, Corey Richman, Wajahat Ali, and Lee Wilkoff. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go watch It's a Wonderful Life! Zuzu's Petals! MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported